The name of the pod was our last, best hope for peace. It was the dawn of the third age of mankind, the year the Great War came upon us all. This is the story of the last of the Babylon podcasts. The year is 2259. The name of the pod is Babylon 5. Episode 43, The Long Twilight Struggle, in which the Narn Centauri War comes to a tragic close. Coming to you live from an undisclosed location on Centauri-occupied Narn, this is The Name of the Pod, the Babylon 5 podcast in which we continue to explore the ongoing cultural and uh, storytelling legacy of the fantastic, visionary 1990 sci-fi program, Babylon 5. I'm your host, John Cassie, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host... Chris Tatro. Uh, Chris, I think we have... In front of us today, one of the most extraordinary hour-long pieces of television that we've gotten in genre fiction virtually ever. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, we've seen some stem winders on this show, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the shadow of Zaha Doom and going back and back and back. But mercy, what an hour of television. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the writing, the performances... You know, the 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 direction in a lot of places was it was like, oh, that's just nice. That's a yeah. The, the effects. I mean, the space. We had two significant, you know, capital ship space battle sequences that looked great Dynamite. to my eye here in 2018. Yeah. Um, you know, loved loved. Well, it's hard to say you love this one because it's so it's so grim and horrible in a lot of ways, but it's, uh, it was, it was a, it was a, a, a top, top shelf episode. Yeah. Right. Without question. Uh, you know, we hadn't really talked about this, uh, as we were preparing for this episode, but the degree of development of the CGI, mm-hmm. that's really something, isn't it? It uh, is. Those mass driver ships just looked gorgeous. Oh yeah. They Absolutely. were, they were yeah. they were pristine instruments mm-hmm. of the purest evil mm-hmm. you know they mm-hmm. looked great and mm-hmm. the narn shadow uh, uh, exchange mm-hmm. also looked dynamite yeah. um, you know we, we we referenced the fact you know when when we started this this thing about a year ago that the boy they are pushing at the very limits of what of what the technology can do. And mm-hmm. as a result, stuff looks a little, uh, you know, yeah. even though the design of the ships are cracking good, mm. they can't quite get the, 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 you know, you know, the, uh, the polygon count quite where it needs to be, but, right. but that's not an issue now. No. And it's going to yeah. get better. Yeah. You know, as, yeah. The, as the show goes on. Yeah. Totally. Um, um, yeah. I, I, I thought it was, it was great looking, um, you know, and, and effects. There were a couple of places, you know, there was the, uh, you know, as, as, and we'll, we'll definitely be talking about Londo watching the planet bombing. Yeah. And there's just, as the shadow falls across, like comes yes. down across his face. It was like, that's, that's just, I mean, okay. Is it a little on the nose? Yes. Is it good? Yes. Yes. Uh, I will, I will accept that. That's, that is, you know, a good signifier of the moment of transition 
for Londo, and yeah. it's done vis- and it's just done through this great visual cue. Right. The the wounding of one of the shadow ships. Right. Um, and and you know the the way that it then you know joins up with another ship to kind of help it along. Uh-huh. You know, it's, like a lot of a lot of good kind of like a lot of good visual stuff going on in here. Right. Right. You know, um, one of the things that we've that we've sometimes slagged the show for is is being too chatty, you know, mm-hmm. giving these characters too long speeches, et cetera, et cetera, right? And your point about this visual storytelling, mm. yeah, I mean, that's, that. It, there was some dynamite little pieces of visual storytelling in this uh, yes. that, uh, that I think elevate this episode to be one of the, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, I think one, one, of, the, one yeah. of the very finest in, in genre yeah. TV that holds up against, you know, any other any of the other great ones that other sh- <clears throat> that other shows have put out, right? Mm-hmm. This is because this is emblematic of what Babylon Five is, right? You know, yeah. in, in in the way that sort of maybe, um, uh, you know, I, I think that one of the most seminal episodes of uh, Battlestar Galactica, for instance, is the very first one, thirty three, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where there, you know, what is that show? It's about it's about the pursuit by the Cylons of the rest of humanity to finish the job, mm-hmm. right? Whatever the job is, we have a plan, right? Mm-hmm. It's 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 this idea of of pursuit, right? Yeah, and you know, and of the got, hard decisions, right? That that the the humans need to make, right? You know, when they when they have to decide, you know, we that ship, you know, we're we're pretty sure that's the one sending the signal, right? We can't tell if people are, we can see there are people there. Are they alive or dead? We don't know. Yeah, but we've got to make a call. We got to make a call, and <clears throat> and it's yeah, a terrible 5, call. The worst, right? The worst but you have call. to make it. Yes, right. And that's the same thing. <clears throat> that's one of the other things I love about Babylon Five is it. It's it's about these characters making making the tough calls, and in some cases, the wrong call. Right, right, and you and know, this is what juxtap- we get. Yeah, here juxtaposed right? to the right call by. By the folks like Sheridan and Jakar, you know, you definitely get Londo, you know, every time he's faced with a place where he could make a stand, right, fails to do so until it's until it's just far too late. Right. You know, this is this is the harvest Mm -hmm. that you get when you plant those seeds, Mm -hmm. you know, and and this was now at the end of the first season, we were 20 episodes removed mm-hmm. from deploying Morden's associates mm-hmm. right and the 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 genocidal level just keeps going up right 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 and Eurefa tries to you know when when Lando says oh you know this will be the last time oh well you know we do this we won't need to use them again Oh sure, right. You know, that's right. You know, once right. it's one of these. You know, once you've had a taste, and it, it just it makes the next. Once you've done one horrible thing, it makes the next horrible thing you have to do right. easier. <clears throat> right, right. And yeah, you're just, Londo's not gonna. You know, Londo's going back to that well, as long as there's as long as it as it keeps producing for him. He has demonstrated no capacity to step away from it. No, he is. He is consumed in his soul about what he's doing. 
but not so consumed mm. that he will pivot to what he knows is the right thing to do. Do you think, you know, we, when we see, okay, we see Londo watching the bombardment and with that look of, of like, my God, what have I done? Yes. You know, on his face. And then we see him, you know, going to the council meeting. Yes. And it's a very different Londo that we see back on the station. He's very certain of himself. He's, he's very sure he's, you know, he's, he's ruthless. Yes. He's projecting this kind of, you know, he's, he's, he's projecting this face of Centauri fascism. Yes. Um, and I wonder, is that just the public face he's putting on it? Or is he resolved to that at that point? He does, he does waver a little bit in a scene later on when he's, he's watching the news about the, the bombardment and, you know, people saying that this is all just, just about conquest. He gets that kind of like, uncertainty on his face again again fantastic acting from peter jurassic mm-hmm. in this but what's what's your take on on where londo is at that point is is he is he all in is he leaning into it or is is he still like you know what a what a dynamite is he still question. like oppenheimer you know watching the the bomb test i think that when he presents himself towards non-Centauri of all kinds. Mm -hmm. Any of the moral trepidations or, or anxieties that he feels is subsumed beneath his sort of fanatical need to defend Centauridom against these, you know, up upstarts and uh, uh, w- you know would be or has been you know powers or you know I I, th- I think he settles back into his sort of Centauri arrogance, right? Mm-hmm. And and that that easily reads as sort of a defense of Centauri fascism. Anything that we do in the defense of the Republic of the Empire is justifiable mm-hmm. because. To defend the Republic is to defend Centauri identity across all across all uh, all types of questions, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. And and you know, in in for a in for a penny, in all the way, mm-hmm. right? He's certainly not going to. He's certainly not going to kowtow to this, you know, Babylon 5 council in any way. Mm. Um, but in his private moments, we get the continued uh, sort of expressions of, of an anxiety about what am I doing, mm-hmm. right? But it's not enough for him to actually change his public persona in any way. Which suggests that uh, that he hasn't fully internalized the lessons. Oh, definitely not. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that that really answered. You know, that was a yeah. That's kind of where my thinking is with him. Yeah. Right. Like he's he's the ever loyal subject 
you know, of, of the Empire, mm-hmm. who will always place his identity as a Centauri and whatever that demands of him above universals mm-hmm. about the value of life, or the dignity of sentience, the right of a free people to make their own choices, mm. you know, and, and, and on and on. He doesn't yeah. value those things. Yeah. It goes back to our discussions about honor. Yeah. I think, and the hierarchy of honors mm-hmm. where the, the, the honor, the loyalty to empire is, is the top, you know, above loyalty to life for sure or freedom or, or, you know, any ideals, uh, you know, personal morality. Um, so he's, he's, he's going to present those, you know, as you say, to, to, to anyone, to any non-Centauri audience. But then when he's back with Rifa, he's, or, or by himself, you know, and the, the question of loyalty to empire is not the, 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 at the forefront, he is able to kind of, the, the other questions kind of bubble up more. Right, right. Within that framework, he can express a reticence mm-hmm. that if he expressed in, uh, you know, on Babylon 5 or to Sheridan or Delan or whomever, would yeah. he would feel like his being read as, as weakness or cultural disloyalty. And not just his weakness, but weakness of the, of the uh, Satori right. people as a whole. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And he won't allow that to become anything that's expressed. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it's it, it it's pretty extraordinary to see this take on uh, weapons of mass destruction and uh, you know uh, a grievous war crime. Mm-hmm. You know in the you know in the nineteen nineties. Um, yeah. Well, there were there were still the I mean there were debates. I remember. Uh, as an undergrad taking a history of Japan class where there was, you know, and that was before this time, uh, a lot of uh, discussion of the, the debates of whether it was right to use the atomic bombs yep. uh, on uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki to, to bring a swift end to the war. And Rifa essentially, you know, paraphrases those things. You know, it's, it's better, to, it's better to, to go in and you know, and do this thing and save Centauri lives uh, by by ending it quickly and decisively let, rather than letting this war drag on. I know that was the argument in Vietnam that was being put forward, you know, in favor of of, of using nuclear weapons there as well. Yep. Uh, and, you know, it, even though it's the villains that, that put this forward... Um, Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, you know, right. It, it's still. Yeah. It's still. It, I don't. I don't think the show puts forward a definitive answer. I mean, yeah, it's bad. It's it's you know wicked bad. Uh, yeah. Even I'll go so far as to say that's my my deep moral stance on the issue. Uh, it's wicked bad, wicked bad kid. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but I think the show is is bringing the question up and not tying it up in a nice tidy bow like. You know, you know how many times have we gone back and referenced *A Taste of Armageddon*? 
sure, uh, but, sure. But we'll do it one more time. Um, you know, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna wrap things up neatly like Star Trek tends to. Yeah, right, right. You know, and 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 at the end of the day, uh, you know, this this war was begun by the Narn. Going back to midnight on the firing line, yeah. I mean, you know, you 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 think about Rifa's argument. You know, using these weapons of mass destruction will bring a war, the war to a to a speedy conclusion, at the minimal cost of Centauri lives, right? And yet, even though the Narn started the war, they are. You know, we're, we're clearly meant to sort of sympathize that they're the good guys mm-hmm. in this thing, right? Even mm-hmm. though they started it, right? And so the idea of, you know, from our perspective here in the West, of hearing Rifa say that, it's almost like, well, if the Japanese had atomic weapons, right? Well, we'll just we'll just nuke San Francisco because it'll 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 bring the war to a speedy. You know, we'll 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 get the Americans to. To surrender, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you know certainly that's what the the Germans were hoping. Mm-hmm. You know, if we can get if the V two would work, then if we can if we can destroy London and convince the British, you know, that we could destroy anything anywhere that that they'll maybe they'll stop, you know, and we even at this later date we can we mm-hmm. can we can save the Reich, you know. Yeah, um, it's a standard military. Uh, doctrine. Yeah, you know, sure, it, sure. Even though the save the, your own the, people. Yeah, the Romans had it. You know, all the way up through. You know, shock and awe of yeah, the sure. uh, of the of the the first. Was it the first Gulf War or the second? I think that was. I want to say it was the first one. Which I think is it's the first. Yeah, which is which is certainly you know ro- very recent history. Uh, Indeed, as as you know, Babylon Five is is airing and being written. Um, you know, and then. Granted, there weren't there weren't uh, uh, weapons of mass destruction used against against Iraq at the time, but uh, uh, it's yeah, you know, it's it's a it's a standard approach that that you know whatever we if if we get in there and you know commit these horrible atrocities, well, that's better than than this war dragging on for for ten years if we can just end it now. Right, and the fact that that's that that's morally indefensible. From from the perspective of those universals that we were talking about, right? Uh, you know, doesn't change the fact that these decisions are often routinely made. It's it's a it's the conflict between practicality and morality. Yeah, you know, and when they when they because if you know, if I approach it from a from a cold and you know emotionally detached robotic way, okay, yeah, if I'm gonna if I have to commit what somebody's going to call an atrocity and just kill, you know, millions of, of civilians as opposed to tens of millions of people over a longer period of time. Well, it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that, that, that's sort of deploying your, uh, you know, your, your utilitarian. Right. Right. But what, and, and what do you lose when you say that that is the, that's, that's the controlling motivation in my, in my decision-making. What have I lost as a, as an individual and as a culture that decides to go down that road, right? Well, and 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 since the only reason 
this war has turned so dramatically in favor of the Centauri is because of the actions of a single person. Right. 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 We, 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 get, we get to see the costs of those calculations mm-hmm. written on, the, on the, the psyche and soul of one character. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. Which is why when, when Londo is observing what his actions have brought forward... Mm-hmm. Right. You can see in his, uh, you can see in his eyes, you know, in the set of his face, an understanding mm-hmm. of the cost that his soul will have to bear. Mm-hmm. He understands that he's not without knowledge, right? Yeah. And it and it and it causes him pain, even though it doesn't cause that pain does not cause him to act in the way that you would expect somebody feeling that yeah. pain yeah. to act. It causes him that pain, and then he's able to com- compartmentalize it. Yes. Um, I always struggle with that word. Uh, and, and, and put it aside so that when he goes into the, the, the council session and he's making these demands and talking about the, uh, the war crimes committed by the Kari... Right. Like, really, at this point, you're going to start th- talking about war crimes? Right. You know, there's, there, there, there it's wasn't an, an outrage. Ad- yeah, absolutely. And the, we're going to kill 500 Narn for every Centauri killed? Another outrage. Uh, you know, after you've just been using Mass Driver, I, I'm, I'm really surprised that, that Sheridan or, or probably more Delenn didn't, didn't address that issue. Yeah, right. That would because that's the that's I mean you're it's your space United Nations. That's the place to bring it up. You know, you've you've established that they've been outlawed by every civilized society. Right. And okay, well, presumably these are your treaties between societies and not just a law within Centauri society that says we won't use these because okay, yeah, that's referenced. Right. There's uh, no. There's no bite. Yeah. There's right. no bite Lando back and to Rifa it. Rifa reference that. Mm-hmm. You know they, that it's that yeah, it's been there outlawed. There are treaties. What are you talking yeah. about? Right. Yeah. So, so why don't these treaties? You know, where are the teeth in these? Yeah. And it also, you know, they're okay. These things are illegal, but we've got a good, you know, dozen, half dozen ships, you know, ready to go. Yeah. Right. It's, it's like, it's like saying, oh well, you know. You know, chemical weapons, biological weapons exactly. are illegal, but uh, we still have our stockpile of them over here, you know, just in case. Right. Pay no attention. Right. Yeah. One of the, uh, one, one of the great uh, sci-fi films, it, particularly if you, if you like your films, your sci-fi films to have a lot of pure science in them is, it's a 1970s film called The Andromeda Strain. Mm-hmm. Right, which I mean, yes. that movie is dynamite. I just love that movie, mm-hmm. uh, and you know the the realization that maybe what the wildfire station had been set up to do was uh, was nefarious, right? You know mm-hmm. that there was some sort of biological weapons research being done, you know, and mm-hmm. the scientists who actually uh, subscribe to kind of universal values are like, I can't believe you brought us here to do to do this kind of work. Right, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. Maybe in this, maybe in that, in that sequence, a nice balance would have been to bring back Robin Curtis's character, 
Always. You know, you yeah, know always in favor of that. Yeah, yeah, right. And to have to have her people uh, put forth a motion of censure against the Centauri. Yeah. Or, you know, these people who had been done in by Deathwalker being a war criminal. Yeah. Right, are like, yeah. no, we remember what it's like to be on the receiving end of mm-hmm. this kind of genocidal activity. And we, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and we, you know, we, we resist you, mm-hmm. you know, we, we refute you, you know, yeah. we, we, that kind of, that, that might've yeah. been cool. This, this is the only place that I, that I will ding this episode is that I, I wish that there had been some pushback on Londo there yeah. in the council chamber. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's the tool. That's the exact way that there should have been pushback right. uh, is, is pointing out the the crimes that the Centauri have committed and how dare you come in here, you know, with your demands and your, you know, your insistence that the Kauri committed war crimes have you no decency. That's right. That's right. That there, there should have been. And, and, you know, other than just, uh, than just Londo and, and Sheridan barking at each other. Right. Uh, Right. You know, Sheridan's face is like, oh, no, you do not yell at me on my own. It, you, you, oh, heck no. And, you know, the Z snap. That's and, right. Yeah, uh, right. Oh, we're, no, we're in the right We that, are not so. doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and and Kosh just kind of, oh, I'm just kind of chilling back here. Yeah, well, that's what he does. Right. I know. I know. I just. How do you just stand by? Right, right, right. You, which, which is which is why. I would have wanted, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the League of Non-Aligned Worlds in some right. way, right, yeah. you know, to, to have stepped up or to have been given, given, given some dialogue, right? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Sheridan could say, uh, you know, could cut off Londo and say, before we even consider anything mm-hmm. that you've said, I need to call on my distinguished friend from Pakmara mm-hmm. to... Uh, uh, to raise a motion of censure against the Centauri Republic for yeah. uh, for genocide and for the use of weapons of mass destruction, which are outlawed by all civilized races and yeah. all civilized societies, right? That yeah. would have been that would have been the right. Mm-hmm. That would have felt like okay, yeah, yeah. that's that's an earned, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, we 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 need that, right? Yeah. But instead, you know, we 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 came out of that meeting. Even though Jakar gives this great little speech of defiance, Citizen Jakar, Citizen Jakar, right? Speech of defiance at the end and and right. you know, freedom. Um, but we come out of that meeting with Londo, you know, victorious on all counts. Yeah, you know, fatality. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Londo wins. <laughs> uh, yeah. While we're talking about the League of Non-Aligned Worlds, yeah, the empty Markov seat. Right. Nice. Touch. Nice, right. nice touch. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, so we've got the Centauri having brought an end to the Narn Centauri War mm-hmm. by reoccupying Narn, by destroying it, the consequences of which we will learn in episodes to come. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if, yeah. if you if you're of a certain age, you know, Chris, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, you and I are, 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 are you know, old, um, you know, dusty old mummies. Ch- I believe <laughs> is the, the term. Yeah. 
exactly. Uh, you know, we, you grow up in the 70s and you mm-hmm. have access to a certain, uh, you know, certain UHF channels, then mm-hmm. you will have watched the, uh, the, the, the seminal animated program, Star Blazers. Of course. Okay. And what are planet bombs but mass drivers, right? You know, right. the, the, the Gamelon assault on, on Earth is just what the Centauri were doing to the Narn. And, mm-hmm. you know, when, when you get that first shot of Earth, it basically mm-hmm. an irradiated, uh, uh, yeah. you know, cinder mm-hmm. uh, in, in, that, in that program. And, you know, everyone's living in underground cities and, you know, the countless dead. Um, well, what's Narn going to look like? Well, I mean, if, if, you, mm-hmm. if you grew up with, with the, the programs, it's going like, yeah. to look like Earth, right? And, sure. you know, I don't, I don't know where Starsha of Iskandar is, uh, you know, in the Babylon 5 universe, but I don't think Iskandar is in the League of Non-Aligned Worlds, right? I, I don't remember you seeing know. anyone that painfully thin uh, right. and, and pale. Yeah. Uh, or who had a voice quite this high? No, <laughs> right? But definitely. You know, what? 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 In that program, you have a magical MacGuffin. You have the Cosmo DNA mm-hmm. to fix Earth, right? You got nothing mm-hmm. to fix mm-hmm. Narn. No. What are you going to do? Right? No. The planet's in ruins. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. these. Although these these the the rocks that the mass drivers were throwing are are significantly smaller than like your your dinosaur killer. Uh, uh, you know, asteroids or or any of these major, uh, you, know, you know, planetary changing kinds of of, right. uh, of rocks falling from the sky. I mean, they're energized. They're they're sort of they 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 juice them up before sending them in. So it's got a little bit more oomph to it. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's it's. I mean, we're looking at we're looking at, at a nuclear winter situation. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, even if even if Centauri is going to occupy narn well it's it's not that great a place to occupy at least for the next uh you know couple of centuries geez, couple of centuries at the very least yeah you know, you're gonna have that you're gonna have that same kind of ash cloud you're gonna have that same kind of of temperature drop that's gonna make agriculture i mean you're gonna have massive famine on top of whatever's uh whatever's gone on right uh deaths from the immediate impact of it's it's uh it's bad so I, I, I was going to raise a question about whether there will be a Narn diaspora. Well, I think there, I think there has to be. I think, you know, the, the folks that are off-world aren't going to go back. Yeah. Because it's pretty much a death sentence. Right. Um, I, although I don't, I don't think that many of the Narn who are on the home world would, are going to be able to get off. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, this, yeah. this, this strike came in, came in way too quickly and way too out of the, out of nowhere. You know, they didn't have, you know, they didn't have the kind of warning or a slow kind of buildup of, of increasing threat. It was just boom rocks. Yeah. And, uh, and now, I mean, no, Centauri aren't going to let them, you know, go and wander about and, you know, and, and leave. Right. Uh, which, which makes, we raised this point a couple of weeks ago, you know, to what end, you know, what is this in, what is this in, in, uh, in service of, Yeah. you know, why are the Centauri occupying Narn? Right. Other yeah. than for their own, 
you know, just we never to, should have yeah. left in the first place. We got we've got the first thing we have to do is correct errors yeah. of the previous administrations. It made us look right. weak to leave, so we have to, you know, go back and hold them to prove our strength. Right. Uh, well, there's okay, that. I, I, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there is that, but I mean, the reason they left is because it was ruinously expensive. Right. But you know, and now it's good. All it takes is a generation to forget all of that. Oh, very true. Right. And yeah. and if the Narn are the biggest thorn in your side, mm. then. You're just going to convince yourself, oh, well, the reason why it cost so much was because the previous generations trying to occupy Narn didn't do it correctly. We'll do it right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Right. If, you, if you go in and you are severe enough and you clamp down on them enough, there won't be these uprisings that were the reason it was so expensive. Which, of course, is ridiculous. Yeah. But that's the thinking. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. If we kill enough of them, they'll get the message. Yeah. And they certainly won't. It won't instill any kind of feeling of, of needing to rise up and needing freedom. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not the greatest idealist in the world, but... Uh, but come on, right? You know, yeah, Give certainly. Me a break. You, know, you, <laughs> you stomp on a people for long enough and hard enough, it, it's, it's not going to break them. I mean, look around the world we live in, you'll see this. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Show if, me a population that has remained, you know, remained subservient long-term as opposed to some kind of rising up. Right. Well, you can't Not find it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. You can't find it because it isn't there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the performances to your point about, mm-hmm. The performances from Peter Jurassic and Andreas Katsoulas are just another oh. reminder of why we like them the best and why why yeah. their story is so central to what's to what should be really appreciated about this show. I mean, Jurassic, I mean A plus, and yeah. Katsoulas A plus. Mm-hmm. I mean, the broken, defeated but defiant mm-hmm. Shakar. Uh, the last of the Kari, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what an extraordinary place to be as, a, as an actor, as a character, to get this content to do. Mm. You know, I mean, ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and... Yeah. And if they'd gotten a lesser actor for either of those roles, it would have fallen flat. Yeah, yeah. And it, it sure didn't. Uh, they, mm. were, they were extraordinary. Um, in the pre-show, Chris, mm-hmm. I I offered the thesis that that Babylon Five is is a bit Wagnerian. In other words, it's like a yes. massive opera. Okay, mm-hmm. and you know, you and I were chewing over some of the stuff that that we didn't quite see fitting. And I said, well, yeah. the drawl business and the ranger business is better seen as the opening of the second opera, it's Valkyrie. The second act. The second act, rather Mm -hmm. than the first act. You know, it's not Rheingold. You know, the the first opera's over. Mm -hmm. Narn is reconquered. And now we need to start introducing the the themes and and, uh, perspectives 
that are going to take us through the second act. And that's mm-hmm. where I think the Drawl and Rangers content, yeah, you know, if you see it as the beginning of the next act, mm-hmm. it still feels a little weird tonally, it's, right? Yeah, that it's it's in this episode as opposed to in, say, the next or two episodes later. You know, we where there's no there's no break between, you know, the curtain comes down and then the next one comes up. Right. Um, it's it's it it's blending them together um, in a way that doesn't give you that that level of separation that I think would have would have made it better. Yeah. Or, for, or would have would have made it flow better for me. Yeah. And, and you know, in, in, in this case. Uh, I think that per, sort of procedurally we disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can appreciate that you would have wanted a nice contrast, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, make this episode a real brutal end mm-hmm. to that first mm-hmm. act, right? Don't give any indication of hope. Uh, mm-hmm. You could totally have written it that way, and that would have been yeah. that would have been cool, right? And- and you know that that brutal and lack of hope is is sort of my is view. your jam. That's right. Yeah, it, yeah that's yeah. where I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, you you get more punch if you end with Frodo was alive and taken by the enemy. Yes. If if you do not have the riders of Rohan showing up just before that. Right. Right. You know, put yeah, some I, distance I, between that and the rallying of of the army of light. That's 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 just my preference in things. Yeah, I I, I can uh, yeah. I suspect I would have written it that way. I think you would have. Yeah, I suspect I would have. Um, yeah, but I like the way that it's that it's depicted to us. Okay, mm-hmm. you know we mm-hmm. get we we get the the denouement right. Mm-hmm. Narn is reconquered. What's the cost? Uh, hundreds of millions of Narn dead and the soul of Londo Malari. Mm-hmm. Um, but lest you think that. This is the end. No, now, now this is a reminder of what we talked about in the last episode, Chris, that mm-hmm. the Narn Centauri War was always a B plot within the larger A of the Shadow War. Right. 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 Okay. Well, now this B thread is resolved and it will now become other threads. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Shadow War itself, which Jakar keeps reminding us, this is the only thing that really matters, people. Right. Right. Now we right. have to focus on that properly. Okay, yeah. that's what Drawl and the Rangers are about. We're pivoting yeah. back into the A yep. in a most uh, sort of uh, uh, straightforward way. That's what mm-hmm. that is. At least that's, that mm-hmm. was my take on it. Yeah. And I guess that it's not known that Londo's involvement with the Shadows and the Shadows' involvement in the... Narn Centauri War are not known well enough that Drawl or the Rangers would have become involved in that side of things. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I just, I think where Drawl says, you know, you have this planet's, you know, great mysteries, great MacGuffins at your disposal. Okay, and and then Narn gets carpet bombed back into the Stone Age. You know, it's, right, right. It, why not use some of those things to prevent that from happening in your next scene? Uh, but, you know, the, it's, it's, 
as you say, it's a sideshow. It's not the main event that they're there for. Yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about how uh, the, the, um, the great machine is going to figure, mm-hmm. you know, into, into some of this. Uh, I don't remember. No, uh, you know, I'm surprised. I, neither do I. Yeah. So. I have a, I have a, I have a better sense of, you know, kind of Rangers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. I'll be interested also in my own take on, on Rangers. I, I was not mm-hmm. a huge Rangers fan. Mm-hmm. You know, I always sort of wondered what, you know, stay focused on our, on our main characters, mm-hmm. you know? So maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe my mind will change. Um, any, uh, any thoughts on John Shuck? Oh, just that he's magnificent. <laughs> I want him wandering around and like narrating my life. Right. right you know? Right. Right. He's a oh, uh, good grief. Good grief. He's yeah. such can, a can you make, scenery chewer. Yeah. Can, can, can you make it a little, a little bigger, a little broader there? <laughs> I don't know that I can. Mm, neither do I, John. Right. Neither right. do I. Ah, oh, I love him. Loved him. Right. Right. Yeah. He's a, uh, He's one of these classic genre actors yeah. who just knows, oh, wh- hey, wait a minute. Is that a piece of scenery over there? You know. Uh, Why? I'm a little hungry today. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 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 it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. And, and you know, we've talked about bad scenery chewers, certainly. Um, you know, our, our, uh, our general from, uh, was it Eyes? Yes. Yes. Uh, mm, not so good. John Chuck. Chew away, my friend. You're chewing away in the Wentworth Miller school of, uh, <laughs> of, 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 of chomping. Or maybe it's the other way around. Wentworth Miller learned at the knee of John Shuck. Uh, whatever you're doing, keep doing it and turn it up another notch. Uh, yeah, ex- ex- exactly. I, um, mm-hmm. uh, I, uh, I, I wish I could remember his, uh, you know, because he, he played the... Uh, uh, Klingon ambassador to mm. the Federation in both uh, Star Trek Four, uh, you know, and and Star Trek Six. He's described his character is called Camarag, and he's described as uh, a character who spoke with dramatic hyperbole. Uh-huh. Right, and he's got you know his speech to the Federation president, um, you know, a- after the attack on Kronos One was just one of the great all-time pieces of scenery chewing ever, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well, in any case, uh, he's a, he's a, he's a great, he's, he's a great, uh, he's a great addition to the, to the program and calling for Zathras. Yes. Okay. Yes. Good old that Zathras. That guy gets around. Yeah. Something's going on here. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, you know, Chris, we've got two episodes to go. Oof. Before we uh, before we come to the end of season two, uh, yeah, hard to believe, you know, that how far we've come. This program yeah. has come a long way. Oh, in, absolutely! In, in in this season, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, two to go, and uh, and we'll see where you know where we where we get left. Mm-hmm. Um, folks, you know where to find us. 
got an active Facebook group. Many of you are on that. We appreciate all your your thoughtful comments. You can email us now that we actually read it at uh, the name of the pod at uh, uh, gmail.com. At, at gmail. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. Momentary. Uh, uh, That's okay. It's uh, only the biggest email platform on the planet. It's... I will cut you. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well deserved. Yeah, quite. Uh Type in the name of the pod in any old search engine. It'll take you to our to our main page. Uh, Not a lot of other things called name of the pod out there. That's correct. Uh, uh, review and uh, and uh, give us some uh, give us some stars. Give us some feedback. We love listening to what you have to say, just as much as we love doing the show. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, folks, we'll see you again next week. And uh, from Centauri Occupied Narn, signing off. Bye. See ya.